Hello, Heather Knight, and welcome to our Honey Mahogany episode, a Total SF episode close to two years in the making. I think we started lobbying on this podcast for a Honey Mahogany High School in January 2021. Wow, that seems like a million years ago. Back when the school board was famously attempting to rename schools, we had an episode talking about people it would be cool to name schools after, and I remember saying that Honey Mahogany High had a good ring to it. Yeah, I think by the end of that episode, you wanted to name every high school in San Francisco after a different drag queen. (laughs) I would not be surprised if that was true. I'm a huge drag queen fan. Well, I did a lot of prep for this episode. I watched RuPaul's Drag Race for the first time and also listened to Honey's new metal band, Commando, They Rock, and downloaded Honey Mahogany's EP, Honey Love, which is more ballad-focused, Heather. Uh, I'm going to make you a mixtape of all this. (laughs) Uh, There's an excellent cover of Madonna's Lucky Star that we're actually listening to right now. Hold on, this is my favorite part. Cause I know you're gonna make everything alright Starlight, star bright, first star I see tonight Starlight, star bright, make everything alright If there's anything you love more than Muni F-cars and talking trash about Star Trek IV, it's San Francisco drag queens. Where, Heather, does Honey fit in your drag queen Mount Olympus? Oh, she's among the top. Um, She is very well known as a drag queen nightclub owner, social worker, city hall figure. I don't know how she packs everything into her busy day, but she's also really fun to talk to. And um, I'm especially glad that we are um, hosting her on Total SF during Transgender History Month. That was another reason to have her on. So this is an excellent episode. Yeah, I love this episode. We record in the quietest place in District 6, which is under a freeway overpass, (laughs) Um, literally under the central freeway. I got most of the background noise out of it, but you might hear a little bit there. You, You get the sounds of District 6 in here. And Honey is also currently running for District 6 supervisor, trying to get Matt Haney's old seat. This is not a political podcast. We talk more about San Francisco in this episode than policy issues. And I looked it up. There are three other people running uh, for District 6 supervisor. You will not be getting equal time unless you appear on RuPaul's Drag Race, and then we'll talk. I hope somebody takes you up on that. Yeah, not a lot of time. I think they record that in advance, but it's possible. (laughs) If you're on, we'll record. And finally, our next Total SF movie night is coming up. Sneakers is playing at the Balboa Theater at 7 p.m. next Thursday, August 25th. Go to cinemasf.com for tickets. Don't miss the social event of the season. We have a bagpiper. And Heather, I think you have some breaking news. Yes, James Moorhead, um, a poet laureate in Dublin, California, who listeners may remember, read an amazing poem about San Francisco on a recent episode, is going to come and read his poem again there. So if you missed it the first time, come listen. He's also going to have some signed poetry books as trivia prizes. It's going to be a very fun night. Yeah, bagpipes, trivia, prizes, poetry. It's going to be a great night. I'm Peter Hartlob here with Heather Knight. When you're lost, we'll be your guide. Shine your heavenly body tonight. That's from Lucky Star. I'm not cutting it. (laughs) It was weird, but I'm not cutting it. That was really weird. It was weird. It's staying in the podcast. This is Total SF. Thank you very much.
Mahogany. Welcome to Total SF. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to finally be here. We've been talking about this for a long time, so I'm glad it finally happened. Yes. We are at a very cool food truck place aptly named District 6. Yes, we're so happy to have District 6 here. I mean, it's a great place to like be outdoors and have some food and have some drinks. And sometimes they have live bands here. It's going to nice. be exciting. The ambient noise right now is traffic, so apologies to the listeners. We didn't realize we're literally right under a freeway. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, I mean, that is a part of living in Soma. We have a freeway that runs right through us. Yes. Yeah, it, on one hand, I was thinking, well, it's a little loud. It's like, you know, there's a speaker playing music over there. There's some uh, uh, art going spray on over painting. there with spray painting. But I'm also thinking this may be the quietest corner of in District, District 6. 6. <laughs> possible right under the central freeway here. If you're going to find an outdoor spot in District 6, this might be the quietest. Well, I know you're focused on politics now as a candidate for District 6 supervisor in November, but first, a far more fun topic, drag queens. Ooh. You were the first San Francisco contestant on RuPaul's Drag Race, mm-hmm. and you played the t- title role in Oprah, the drag Oh my gosh, I was you did your, your research. <laughs> And Peter will love that you also performed in a drag version of Star Trek. I did. <laughs> Lieutenant Uhura? Of course. Didn't she R. just R. passed away? I know. Yeah. yeah, Michelle Nichols just passed away a couple days ago. Yeah. Are you finding any time for drag these days amidst all the campaigning? Um, I think my, well, so my official last drag gig that I did was um, for uh, Reparations, which is a drag show that happens at Oasis. Love Oasis. Um, yeah. Me too. So, so special. And I um, I had been meaning to perform at Reparations for so long because, I don't know if you know, but I did a party called Black Fridays at the Stud, which was a party that was you know, supposed to highlight the African-American community at a time when we were like literally hemorrhaging black people in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when that ended and the Stud closed, Reparations sort of came online as a part of our online programming. And I had never gotten to perform at it in live and in person. So it was my first time and also my last official drag performance um though i will also say that i have been performing with my band's commando okay <laughs> so we um I, I my last performance was that with them was down at catch one um opening for big, big frida actually oh, wow. uh, in That's los awesome. angeles yeah anything on the agenda for your band anymore you gigs? know i told them i might have to take a break until okay. after the election yeah um but i did just perform last night at the Catherine clark gallery doing an acoustic uh set of oh, our wow. music which was quite a feat considering um our music is new metal so <laughs> <laughs> what do you love about drag performing um drag for me was just i think drag for me was uh revolutionary in a lot of ways i mean i came from a very feminist backgrounds like I identified as a feminist from a very young age Mm -hmm. and there was a part of me that was like we need to be celebrating the feminine and for me drag was a way to do that and to explore that Um, and then when I really started engaging in drag in the drag scene here in San Francisco it was so creative and out of the box and about politics and things that were happening in the world and that just really excited me Mm -hmm. Um, I also really loved that it in San Francisco especially there was no wrong way to do drag and so for a long time, we've had like, you know, um, cisgendered women who are drag queens. We've had live singing drag queens, which is, you know, something that I really identified with. And I don't know, it's it's just been a great way to build community and I think highlights what's so special and unique about San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I think you can learn a lot about a city from its drag scene. You know, yeah. they're all different across the country. I was just in New York with some friends and got to see a drag show at Stonewall, which was definitely uh, a highlight of our trip. So cool. 
Well, you went to Catholic school in the Sunset District. What was your childhood like? That is really, uh, yes, that is true. <laughs> um, I, you know, my parents were refugees um, from Ethiopia. They, um, my parents, my dad actually was in medical school in Greece, but he was protesting the Ethiopian government at the time, had his citizenship revoked and came here. Uh, San Francisco welcomed him, you know? Um, so I feel very, very connected and I have a deep love for San Francisco because of that. Because, um, you know, I mean, I might not be here. Um, if San Francisco wasn't a refuge for my family. Um, growing up in the sunset was ah, very sheltered <laughs> compared to my life living now in Selma. Um, again, my family were immigrants, so they, you know, uh, spoke English. But, you know, my grandmother, who also lived with us, she didn't speak any English. Um, so that was hard. Um, but she was really, really brave. Actually, it, it kind of reminds me of what's happening right now in San Francisco when I see all those images and those videos of you know, the elderly Chinese women who have been attacked in the streets, like it really actually resonates really deeply with me because, you know, what if it was my grandmother? You know, she went out there all the time by herself. She went to church every day. She um, would go grocery shopping. And um, I always thought she was so brave to do that, not knowing the language and to imagine her being attacked is, I don't know, it's, it's scary. You had extended family all around you then? I did. You know, it's so funny. Um, my parent, my dad was the first one to emigrate here, but my mom's family was actually the one that followed him here. So literally there are probably 30 of us that all lived right around 43rd and Terraville at one point, like literally half a block, a block from each other. So um, my cousin, who was a year younger than me, grew up with me, lived literally around the corner from me. You know, he's still he, he's still here in the city, too. He actually um, has been in uh, SFPD for 15 years. Um, so we are very, very, both very rooted here. Um, but I will say like going to Catholic school, I was the only, it was interesting because I went, the sunset is a primarily Chinese neighborhood. Um, well, there's also a very strong Irish Catholic, um, portion too, and some Russian as well. Um, but predominantly Chinese. So it was interesting for me as a black person, we didn't see a lot of black people on the West side back then. It's actually much more diverse now. The other thing was going to Catholic school. At some point, I feel like I was literally the only black person in my K through eight school of St. Gabriel. Um, you know, I think there was like a um, also a biracial person there at some point. And at one point we got a Nigerian person who also came in. But literally, there just wasn't a lot of diversity. And so um, that was, I think, a unique experience. I also think, though, for me, the formative years were high school. Um, I went to St. Ignatius. And uh, I think... As much as I don't agree with everything the Catholic Church says, I mean, think clearly, <laughs> um, I think I really clung to those things that made sense, which were, you know, um, being of service to others and being the change you want to see in the world. And um, I mean, that's why I became a social worker and ultimately why I went into politics. You, you were just a couple miles from a queer Mecca, the Castro. Did you ever hop on a bus and get down there and check it out? Was there was there a discovery point there? I definitely took the El Terravel through the tunnel um, and uh, came out to the caster. I remember, I mean, you know, my, my family uh, was very conservative, uh, much more conservative back then than they are now. And so I remember I went to the Castro, to the Castro Theater, I think, to like see a movie with some friends and didn't tell my parents and ended up getting a cookie at Hot Cookie because <laughs> you how, <have> to. <laughs> right, how can you go to the Castro for the first time and not go to Hot Cookie? And um, I remember getting like called into my parents' bedroom, like, where were you this weekend? And I'm like, what, why? <laughs> and because of course I had used my ATM card that my oh. parents had given me to make the purchase and they saw. 
where I was. So oh. that was my first time to the Castro. <laughs> and the name Hot Cookie, they might have had some questions. <laughs> I mean, thank God English was their second language. I don't think they picked up on that part. Yeah, Cliff's Variety Hardware Store might not have raised as many flags. But um, were you were you Honey Mahogany then? And and how did how did that name come about? Oh gosh, the story is. I mean, I think it's kind of boring, but some people think it's funny. Uh, I. So in high school at SI, I was in theater a lot. And when we were in theater, we actually had to pick our own makeup. And so um, I went to the Walgreens right there in the sunset um, um, on Terraville. And I picked out my foundation and the two shades of Revlon foundation that matched me the best were honey and mahogany. Did you mix them together? I I used them on different parts of my face, you know, contour, highlights. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) I love that. You're a co-owner of The Stud, a queer nightclub that opened in the South of Market District in 1966, but it shuttered during the pandemic. What's the latest on The Stud, and is there any chance it'll be back? Oh, yeah. There is a chance we will be back. We are working on that every day, looking at buildings, looking at spots. You know, one of the things that's really um, hard about opening a small business like a bar is that we really rely on capacity, right? Um, I mean, the way that we make money as a business is really on Fridays and Saturdays um, and really between the hours of 11 o'clock and 1.30 a.m. when we have to shut down because we can no longer serve alcohol and that's how we make money. So um, in order to make that enough money to pay our you know exorbitant rents that we pay here in San Francisco, um, we have to have like 300 people in the bar, right? That's the only way that we can make rent. And a lot of these places, especially in Soma, which is our historic home, are these long sort of like shotgun type uh, buildings where there's only one point of egress in the front and maybe two doors at the front, which limits your capacity to like 50 people. Um, So it's been very hard to find a space that will work for us. But we have a few leads. Mm -hmm. So keep your fingers crossed. And hopefully in the next year, we'll have an announcement coming. Okay. That would be very exciting. You also helped create the city's transgender district, which was sadly split in two in the recent redistricting process. Has that affected Uh, the district much? um, The trans district? Yeah. I mean, I... Look, it was really painful, honestly, uh, seeing the district cut in half like that, Um, especially when, you know, places like Midmarket were pulled back into the district to keep it whole. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, it just... I, I just wish that we, we we didn't lose, split up the trans district. But um, here we are. We're moving forward. And I, you know, I, I feel like I, it is appropriate that we maintain that Sixth Street corridor within SOMA. Mm-hmm. Um, the trans community has such uh, a presence in SOMA. I think it's important that we maintain a part of it. And, you know, I think SOMA is also, as it's changing, even some of the, the places like powerhouse and the eagle and places that were traditionally leather bars that were very like gay male centered are changing they're being more inclusive of poc people and trans people so again i think it's really important that we maintain that piece obviously it would have been better i think if they could all be in one district but Mm -hmm. here we are we'll be right back after this short break curious if your parents are still around and if you have extended family still in the city and if they're coming to your drag shows <laughs> was there was there a oh rupaul's drag race like no watch party <laughs> oh my gosh okay so this this is interesting so first of all the way that i came out to my family was through drag <laughs> 
I mean, and when I say come out, I was actually outed. It was kind of traumatic. Oh. There was a oh, lot I'm that sorry. happened there. It's okay. Uh, we got through it, but um, there was definitely a point in there where they, um, I was outed to my family through pics of me in drag, and they literally were like, you need to get away from negative influences and sent me back home to Ethiopia, um, where I lived for a year. And although that was arguably one of the top three most painful moments in my life, <laughs> including being double eliminated on Drag Race, um, <laughs> I got, God, I learned so much. You know, I went home to, the, to, to, my, to this country that, you know, was the home of my ancestors and got to connect with my culture and really learn the language and spent a lot of time with my grandmother. And while I was there, I got an internship at the UN working oh, wow. on um, the cultural mechanisms that contributed to the spread of HIV in that country. Like, it helped me decide that I really did want to pursue social work and brought me back to San Francisco and to UC Berkeley. And so it was a wonderful experience and I'm so glad that I did that. Now, that being said, um, not very many of my family members have come to my drag shows. Many, I think everyone knows that I do drag. Um, most of them, many of my family members no longer live in the city anymore. I mean, the story of San Francisco, there were like, you know, 30 or 40 of us here. And now it's literally just me and my one cousin left living here. And I have several family members in the East Bay. But um, most people have sort of spread out throughout the country to seek places that are more affordable. Yeah. You know, um, my one cousin that I'm... Um, probably closest to actually also dabbled in drag in San Francisco and her name was Shea Butter. Mm. Um, but she has retired. <laughs> um, but so yeah, so Shea Butter has been definitely been to a couple drag shows. Um, but I think that's it for my family. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, by the way, the, okay. the about your family and also the double elimination. Because you were really singing. You were really singing. This should have a, that should have gotten should you three more points. rounds. Yeah. yeah. I mean. I feel like you were credited for that, but I felt like that should have. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I got credited for the double elimination on all the caftans that I, I wore on the runway, which was uh, fun. <laughs> hey, actually, after after that season, caftans came, like became a thing. Like Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen were on the red carpets and caftans. They had all these caftan lines com come out and it was all about like, com what is it? Um, comfy, cozy, something. I don't know. Like there was this aesthetic that came out. Yeah. I, I credit myself with, obviously. Well, obviously. Well, you have a beautiful voice and you were nice to people, so... That's not good reality TV, though. I know, I know, but... I... But it'd be good for City Hall. Well, yes. I mean, I think that's what we need in City Hall. Caftans and kindness. <laughs> that should be your new campaign slogan. Caftans and kindness. Uh, well, you wear many hats, including, as you mentioned, that of a social worker. And related to what we've been talking about, you told me recently that San Francisco needs a good social worker. Why is everybody fighting and so just so many cat fights these days? Honestly, um, yeah, that's a really good question. And it really breaks my heart as someone, again, who was born and raised here, whose family sought refuge here. Like, literally, this city has saved my life and my, you know, I, like the reason that I am here today is because of San Francisco. So to see it torn apart this way, especially, I have to say, around... Um, the black and, uh, and the black and Chinese communities, mm -hmm. like not even API, but I think specifically Chinese communities here in San Francisco, has been really, really painful for me. Um, I think that there, we are seeing across the country this divisive rhetoric that is being used between Republicans and Democrats, and unfortunately, here in San Francisco, we are not immune to that. Um, we just call it by different names, mm -hmm. right? We have moderates and progressives instead of Democrats and Republicans, and. Um, 
I think that the toxicity and the divisiveness um, is being used as a political tool to maintain power and the status quo. And I think that it is incumbent on us, I think as leaders, as, as people in the community, to, to say no, and that's enough. We need people who are going to work with each other, who are going to not accept the status quo, who are not going to accept divisiveness and say, hey, we're going to take a step, we're going to take time, we're going to take a step back and figure out ways to work together. We're going to not immediately jump to, you know, ask people to step down or recall mm-hmm. people or whatever it is. We're going to take the time to have conversations and do the work to actually create healing. Because I think when we do that, then we actually affect positive change. Then we actually take steps forward and we do so in a way that is lasting and not just about a sound soundbite. Yeah, that makes sense. What about nationwide? I mean, I, I never thought I'd get to a point where drag queen story hour is a controversy. You have in Florida, you know, to score political points, um, just absolutely being cruel to a, to a portion of the citizenry there, the transgender citizenry. What do we do about that when they're fighting so dirty and deceptively? How, how do we respond as not just as San Franciscans, but just as, as human beings? I mean, I think that we have done it so beautifully for so long in the queer community, which is just take it to the streets and celebrate. Celebrate who you are. Don't let them shame you. I mean, I, I think, you know, unfortunately, there are definitely parts of this country that I think people have to really do be safe. Um, definitely be safe. But here in San Francisco, I mean, it's happening in the Bay Area. We just had it the other day, and I, I believe it was, um, oh no, I'm going to get it wrong and people are going to kill me, but was it San Lorenzo? Yes, it was San Lorenzo, mm-hmm. where they had a drag queen story hour, um, and Panda Dulce um, was sort of protested by the Proud Boys. Right. One of the... Th- one of the first things that my mom said to me when I told her that I was running for office was be careful, mm-hmm. you know, because there's so many people out there that are willing to go to extremes and hurt people. And, you know, and she was worried that that would happen to me. Um, were you disappointed when Mayor Breed didn't appoint you to fill the seat of your former boss, Matt Haney? <laughs> this is the two minutes of politics we get into <laughs> on this podcast. So. Um. I mean, you know, again, I just wish we had more coming together moments. Um, I made it very clear that I was willing to, more than willing, eager to work with the mayor. I mean, as someone who is a black woman born and raised in San Francisco, who cares deeply about our city, who is passionate about nightlife, I think there was, and also public safety. Mm -hmm. Listen, that's something that I really, really care about. So many of my friends have been attacked in the streets. As a small business owner in this district, I know what it's like to try and operate a small business where you're having to deal with the craziness on the streets and your customers are getting attacked or you're getting attacked. Like public safety is a huge issue and something that I absolutely am going to work to address as district six supervisor. So I just feel like we had a lot of common ground. And unfortunately there was a missed opportunity there to bring people together, Mm -hmm. whether you're a progressive or a moderate, Hey, we have common ground. We can work together. And unfortunately, again, I think that was a, a missed opportunity to do that. Well, the Board of Supervisors meetings are notoriously long, and frankly, <laughs> they can be deadly boring. Can you commit to making the board more fabulous if of you win? Of course. <laughs> I mean, how could I not? Um, yes, absolutely guaranteed I will make them much more fabulous and fun. Okay, good. Well, you survived our very serious questions, and now it's time for the lightning round. Woo! Where's your favorite place in San Francisco to get a burrito? 
Oh, uh, that is a good question. I mean, I'm just going to go with the classic El Farolito because yeah. I grew up going there right off the BART station and eating those. And they're honestly, they're delicious. Well, it's that's a better answer than your former boss, Matt Haney. He got a lot of flack for saying Gordo's. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with Gordo's. But I mean, it's Mark, not the best. Mark Benioff picked Gordo's, and he's a native. I just think, like, politically, if if you were standing over his shoulder, I would think you would have told him, don't pick Gordo's. No, don't. No, no, not that one. Yeah. What's your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? Oh, my gosh. My favorite movie. Oh, God. Sister Act. Absolutely. Yes, hands thank down. You. Oh, my gosh. Let's have Honey to a Sister Act movie night oh that'd be fun that'd be fun one of my favorite movies of all time me too uh where's your favorite place in the city to get a stiff drink i don't know if i want to tell people because i don't want them to come and find me (laughs) okay your second favorite Uh, okay um i will say my favorite place to get a a stiff drink will be i'm just gonna say the powerhouse Mm -hmm. what was your first concert my first, I mean, I guess, you know, honestly, my first concert was probably when I was in uh, preschool and we got to go to the San Francisco Symphony. Oh, cool. That was really, really cool. What yeah. was the last book you read? Okay, so the last book I read was definitely Alicia Garza's The Purpose of Power, which oh. is all about her life story and also the history of how she got into organizing. Cool. It's really cool. Well, I have a question. Um, as the drag Lieutenant Uhura... Uh, what is your review of Star Trek Four? And this is not at all to settle a long-running feud between me and Heather. <laughs> Star Trek Four. Ooh, I thought it was okay. Uh, oh my god, you're my favorite guest. Uh, Sister Act is your favorite movie, and Star Trek Four is just okay, which is better than my review of it because I've tried to watch okay. it twice and fell asleep. She falls asleep though in the first like 20 minutes. They're like straightening out all the stuff from Star Trek Two II and Three, so it is like kind of really dense Boring. and yes. Star Trek focused. And then they come to San Francisco and save whales. Yeah, but I I'm mean, always asleep by that point. I, I, you know, honestly, I was also very young when I watched it, and so. I also was falling asleep during it. So, you know, maybe if I watched it now, I would have a no, different experience. I wouldn't bother. Okay. I'm, I'm disappointed in both of you. <laughs> the Wales was cool, though. What do you love most about District 6, the district, not this food truck spot? What do I love most about District 6? I think it's the potential. Mm. You know, District 6 is such a dynamic neighborhood. It is changing. We are building housing here. We are having small businesses open here. This is a district that we really need to invest in. I mean, it's how we're going to bring San Francisco's economy back to life, whether it be travel, whether it be, you know, I don't think it's going to be office space. I think that there are other things. But, you know, one thing that's really exciting that's sort of happening in District 6 and around District 6 is climate tech. That is actually something that I feel like San Francisco could be investing more in. So, again, I think it's the potential um, that's here. Besides yourself, who is your favorite San Francisco drag queen? Ooh, this is a really, really (laughs) tough question. I, I have to give it up for my wicked drag stepmother, um, Glamamore, who is also known as Mr. David, Mr. David Glamamore. She came here via New York um, decades ago and really, I think, helped to shape the drag scene here in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she was one of the people who was really active in the stud through her party, Something, that happened here for a really long time after um, Hecklina's party that happened there. And um, I think even to this day, like, she's doing summer camp every every summer up in Guerneville and 
designing costumes. She designs all of Juanita Moore's wow. um, wardrobe, like literally thousands of pieces for Juanita Moore. She's um, done shows at the De Young and, you know, the MoMA and all of these things. That's so awesome. she's just a legendary figure that um, has a special place in the hearts of all of us queer mm-hmm. San Franciscans. Wow. And lastly, do you have a favorite San Francisco song? And if so, can you sing a few lines for us? Absolutely. San Francisco, what's up? Hey. That was um, Bucket Betch by Double Duchess. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was a lot of fun to talk to you. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Our music today is from the Sunset Shipwrecks, Castro organ player David Hegarty, and cable car bell ringing from eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by investing in a digital Chronicle edition. It's less expensive than you think at sfchronicle.com slash pod. Thank you so much.